This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Christina Royster. And I'm Yasmin Gagne. And you're listening to Hit the Ground Running, a fast company podcast where we help young professionals uncover how to make it in the ever-changing world of work. On today's episode, we talk about becoming mothers and maternity work. Mom, if you're listening, you can relax. Nobody here is pregnant. But we aren't moms, but we did want to get some perspective from our coworkers about their real life experiences. So we talked to them about motherhood. So yes, when you were imagining building your life and your career, were you thinking about children? Were children a part of that? Um, you know, they weren't, you know, it, it's funny, like, because you start your career in your early 20s and you're like, having kids is so far away and you're working, you're working, you're working and like, all of a sudden you wake up and I'm 28, almost 29. And I'm like, wait, what? Yes, it snuck up on us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just didn't think about kids because kids to me always felt like a really far away possibility, but um, it's not anymore. Yeah. How many babies have you seen on your timeline? Are your peers getting married, having kids? I've had a lot of peers get engaged or married. Yeah. I've seen a lot of babies. A lot of people I went to school with have already had kids. Really? Yeah. Sometimes I think, wow, by the time I have kids, their kids are going to be like 10 years old. <laughs> Did you ever watch that show on MTV, Teen Mom? Yes. My mom, you know, during that whole teen pregnancy craze, I guess you want to call it, with the... <laughs> I don't know. It was it was a very popular topic at the time. And yeah, it was a thing you talked about a lot. It's true. Yeah. And my mom was actually scared for me to watch those shows because she thought it was going to influence me and all types but of stuff. But their lives are so terrible. Yeah. It, it is a good learning lesson. It teaches you not to have kids young. <laughs> yeah. Except for... Was her name Macy? She did a really great job. Yeah, a couple of them turned out fine, but yeah. um, the Farrah girl, mm-mm, that, she yeah, kinda that, went that went downhill. Yeah. That was not so good. <laughs> I hope she's doing well now. I don't really know. But she had that weird thing where also wasn't her, we don't need to talk about Team Mom this much. <laughs> we can have a bonus episode about Team Mom. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But honestly, you know, when I was a kid, I considered the fact that my mom had me when she was 25. So as you said, wow. 25 felt like older. I was like, okay, I can have a kid at 25 too. And then by the time <laughs> I was 25, I was like, oh, no. hell no. So <laughs> nowadays, I feel like I am more focused on my career and I definitely do want to have children, but I don't know how that would fit into my career right now. So I always say like, oh, I'll have a kid when I'm 35 or but then, like you said, I'm 26. That's right around the corner. So, yeah, I don't know. My attitude is very much like close my eyes, plug my ears. <laughs> yeah. Plug, don't think about it. Yeah. Because um, it's too much responsibility. Exactly. Like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, it'll be fun to have a baby. And now that I'm in my 20s and I see people doing it. Just recently, me and my friends went pumpkin picking and two of the girls brought their kids along and they had to stop and change diapers and there was only a porta potty and i was like you know what this doesn't look fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know you know how we've aged it's like as you grow older you sort of age out of certain things so like sometimes i'm sad that like i can no longer be a child prodigy <laughs> <laughs> and like we're not teen moms that's like not possible for us and i think young moms is in our past yeah. at this point, probably. Yeah, so you at know? this point, this is, I guess, what they call childbearing age, like your mid-20s, like this is the <sighs> time. <laughs> I know, it sounds so scary. 
But luckily, we had the opportunity to get the perspective of two mothers on our team here at Fast Company, staff writers Lottie Meyer and Mansueto Ventures head of HR, Nirvani Sabies, about their experiences becoming mothers while pursuing their careers. You know, you always hear that phrase, you know, get you somebody that can do both. But for women who want to have a family and a fulfilling career, there's kind of no choice or you're kind of stuck in a bind. We asked Lottie how she thought about balancing her family and her career, and this is what she had to say to us. I knew that Fast Company was a workplace, Mansueto Ventures was a workplace that embraced innovation and was a very generous employee benefits. And I knew that it was the sort of company that would allow me to really be a mom and a journalist uh, and l- let me do them both well. I really wanted a place that would let me do both and wouldn't require me to compromise either part of me. I didn't want someone that would make me a lackluster mom. I didn't want a place that would sort of, you know, shunt me to the mommy track and sort of be doing the sorts of stories, the sorts of work that I didn't want to do. And I, and I just got that sense from Fast Company and in fact had intuited correctly. So, yes, what I took away from that little clip right there is that Zlati really took into account the values of a company before she decided to apply to Fast Company. She already knew that she was pregnant. She interviewed while pregnant, and she really took into account, you know, their policies and their values. And that was definitely um, something that I considered as well, you know, just thinking about if I do want to have a career and, and a family I have to work at a place that is going to be flexible with that. So I'm glad she touched on that. Well, timing is also an important factor, and RHR Nirvani Sebi shared with us her plan. I think it felt like the right time because, one, we had the right conversation. We were both aligned in terms of what we wanted out of it. And I think, again, we've traveled a fair amount. Um, I was where I wanted to be in my career. I think he was in a comfortable place in his career. And I think I just wanted to be a mom since I was like 16 now, not 16 and pregnant, but at the age of 16, like, I think I knew I was ready to, um, like, that was definitely the path and the journey I wanted to take pretty early in life. The thing that strikes me about both what Lottie said and, and what we just heard from Nirvani is that there's so much intention that goes into planning things out. You have to really think like three years ahead. You have to think about having kids when you choose your employer. You have to think about where you are in your career and where you want to be in three And I guess that means you have to plan it out sooner than later, which is horrifying. That's true. But it's not a solo mission. You you have to let your team on your plan, your partner on your plan. And that's kind of the difficult part because you don't know how that news will be received by your team. And many women do experience anxiety prior to sharing that news with their company. And Zlati had a similar experience. Now, when I was hired by Fast Company, I was pregnant. I interviewed pregnant. I, I walked to the door with sonogram pictures in my wallet. Um, I don't know if they realized I was pregnant. I think I didn't look pregnant, but maybe I'm just <laughs> imagining it. And in retrospect, they, they must have known I was pregnant because, um, I mean, I sit or I sat, I haven't seen him in close to two years. I, I sit next to my boss who um, were maybe four, five feet apart from each other. And I was constantly getting up to go to the ladies' room to pee. I was getting up to go to the ladies' room to throw up. It was a very difficult pregnancy for me. I was high risk and I I was throwing up a lot. So I don't know if he noticed, if he thought, I don't know what, I was doing cocaine in the bathroom. I don't know what he thought. But when I ultimately said, you know, at at a certain point I realized I have to say something. And quite frankly, I was scared to because 
uh, I'm a journalist, so my my instinct is to research. And I had done the research and I saw, and it, it was conclusive. There, it was not an opinion. This was fact that a company is not obliged to provide maternity leave, FMLA, to someone who has worked there for less than a year. And that was not the case for me. So it was really a conversation I dreaded, I feared. And it reached the point my husband was like, you got to say something, Slotsy. This is ridiculous. And, and I'll never forget one day, it was at the end of the day, because I didn't want to then have to sit next to him for the next four or five hours with this brewing. And I turned to my boss, Christopher, and I said, are we going to continue pretending that I'm not pregnant? And his head whipped around like, like it was like a cartoon. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And he was like, what? I, and he was just like, he, he flustered. He didn't even know what to say. I, I, he, I certainly didn't know I was pregnant. So he's like, no, no, no. You have to talk to HR and don't worry. Da, da, da. Anyway, sat in this meeting with Nirvani. And basically she said, no, we are prepared to give you, you know, maternity leave we would give to anybody, even though you've only been for three months. And I thought she had made some error. And I remember saying to her, oh, could you just put that in writing for me? Because I thought for sure she's making a mistake, but I wanted that she told us to me and I wanted in writing. So like, you know, I have a copy of it, you know, because it was, a, it was a, obviously a verbal meeting. And she did, she sent it. But, you know, she had not made a mistake. That is what they gave me. They gave me um, the full maternity package that really any other employee was someone who'd been there for a year, someone like Kate Davis who'd been there for many years um, was entitled to. And that was really generous of Fast Company of Miss Fatal Ventures. And I, I am I am grateful for that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll hear more from Zlati and Nirvani about feeling guilt during maternity leave, what productivity means to them, and what their back-to-the-office strategy looks like now that they have new babies. This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Oh, gosh, I don't know how I feel when I can't get back to email or Slack right away. Like, I'm an inbox zero person. I do not go to bed until my inbox is cleared, until I've responded to everyone. And my Slack anxiety is notorious, as you've likely heard on this podcast. We asked Nirvani and Zlati if they experienced any guilt while they went on leave. So, again, my maternity leave now, I didn't take the typical maternity leave that most folks take. Our maternity leave policy is three months. I worked with Mark um, in terms of just getting a flexible maternity leave policy again, because knowing my role and how um, imperative it is for the organization, how important it is for the organization, I didn't feel comfortable going dark for three months. Um, and just my own OCD, like I felt like I would lose some control of my own team, my department, um, had I gone dark for that long. So I was on a flex maternity leave for six months. Um, so essentially what that meant is I worked after I think it was like maybe a month, I went dark. And even still then I was checking emails and responding to emails because of my own guilt. And I chose not to have, which I was given the option to bring in a temp. It just at the time didn't seem like the best thing to do. So I experienced a lot of guilt in the sense that I wasn't available as needed. And I think when I went on maternity leave in May, a lot of events took place a lot of current events at the time took place in June, which kind of took the country by shock, but also the HR in general had a lot of organizations just looking at so many different components of their departments and their teams. I realized at that point, it just was too demanding and I felt immense guilt because there was so much unfolding. And I had this newborn where I was essentially kind of like, I don't know if this is too much, but I'm like breastfeeding, but also like looking at emails at the same time. 
because I knew how much at the time the organization needed me. It was a lot. I, I have to say at the time, my husband was not happy. My mom was not happy. I don't think anyone, they're like, what are you doing? But it was for me, like, I've all, like, this was the job I wanted. Like, I knew this is where I wanted to be. And I, I'd worked so hard for the past five years of my career prior to get to this exact position. And I also just felt guilt because I wanted to guide my CEO. I wanted to guide my team and my managers um, and the leadership team. And I just, it was, it was difficult. It was definitely difficult because I had so many different people in my ear kind of saying, what are you doing? I did because first of all, I was a new employee. So I felt I hadn't earned my stripes. I hadn't, you know, showed um, Christopher and the people up the line, you know, what I could do, what my worth was. And the news department at Fast Company, which is the section that I write for, we're very small. It's really just my boss and me and some freelancers. And then some of the other staffers, you know, contribute some hours of work over the week. But it really is just that. So I really felt like I was abandoning my team. And again, very early in my tenure at Fast Company, I didn't really have a choice. Like I said, I was hired and I was already pregnant. It wasn't like I timed a pregnancy one way or another. The fetus already existed, but um, it did weigh on me. It did. So this layer of guilt just really complicates the matter even more. I can't believe what Nirvani said about, she said how much the company needed her and she had to breastfeed while working. That sounds outrageous to me. You know, I just can't believe that. Well, I guess I can believe it because women, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves especially during this remote work era. It's almost as if we're all trying to overcompensate and work even more. And I just can't believe that these new mothers felt the need to keep working and felt like they weren't living up to their potential. But the reality is, I think everybody would have given them some grace, you know, but we kind of put that pressure on ourselves. And so we also asked the ladies how their productivity was impacted. And the answers were interesting. It's definitely impacted my productivity and it's something I've been really hard on myself about just because I know I, um, I'm not performing to my full capabilities because I have an entire life that I'm also responsible for. So I opted not to put my daughter in daycare just due to the pandemic. So with that, I knew I would take a hit, um, with my productivity and just my ability to sit and focus in front of a computer for six, seven to eight hours while still in the background, having my daughter kind of running around, making sure that I'm feeding her lunch, making sure that she's not jumping off the couch and doing double leg tricks or anything. But it's difficult to balance being a full-time mom and having your child in the house and working at the same time. Again, I'm so grateful for Mansueto as a whole, because I think everyone's just been super flexible and super understanding with what my reality looks like, but what everyone else's reality kind of looks like when it comes to working from home. I think my productivity, my productivity definitely took a hit. And I find myself not working at nights at times or waking up fairly early to respond to emails or to get projects done just so that I can do it in a quiet time frame. At the time, also my husband, we realized like, it's just impossible. So he had to change the shift at work. Like he could no longer do a nine to five because my productivity was taking such a hit. So he had to start working more of a kind of like, he starts, he goes in for three o'clock and comes home at 11 p.m. Um, at this point, just so in the mornings he can be with the baby while I actually get some work done. I think having a baby improved my productivity because I'm really forced to buckle down and maximize my time. I try to segment my parenting responsibilities 
and my journalistic responsibilities um, into two separate silos. And obviously there is some overlap certainly now in the days when people like myself are, and many, many Americans of any age and any parenthood and any um, gender um, are working from home. But it really sort of forced me to be very lean and mean. It's so interesting, the other factors that kind of come into play when it comes to getting things done. I mean, obviously, Zlati and Nirvani are both in exceptional circumstances. And it's like kind of hard to tell whether the pandemic is an advantage or disadvantage in the sense that like, yes, it's allowed this kind of environment where you can work from home. And if you have a partner, you can both kind of take care of your child. But it also means like sending your child into daycare has a lot more risks. Yeah, so, I was thinking about that when she said that. But, um, you know, ultimately, mothers are going to have to return to the office. And so we asked these two how their children fit into the back-to-office strategy. That's a good question. And I don't necessarily know. Like, I love working from home. I feel like I've gotten a good balance and a good groove. I almost feel like I might have to be, like, dragged by my hair back to work, like, kicking and screaming. For me, it's I do miss being in the office. I have to say, I think being in the office one to two days a week would be nice to be able to disconnect from home and family life and just get out of the house. Um, but I get my commute's almost two hours one way. So if I go back on a voluntary basis or an as needed basis, I think I'd be okay with that. But I would have a lot of guilt, I think. I think I would feel a ton of guilt just not being able to see my daughter um, do things and hit all these milestones I've been able to see her hit within the past year and a half, I think I would feel terrible because I'd get home at 7 p.m. and essentially she's already had dinner and she's already had her bath and she's pretty much going down for a nap. So for me to go back to the office, that means I leave my house um, at six o'clock in the morning and I get home at 7 p.m. I pretty much am not seeing her spending any time with her for a full day. Maybe I'll get an hour in once I'm home, but I feel like as a mom, that's just not enough. I am very fortunate in that I have I have a husband, I have a partner who is very understanding of my desire to have a career. The career predates him, <laughs> um, and he knows it's very important to me. And he also is, to his credit, a very hands-on father. So that's certainly, I think, something that sets the tone. And as a result of that, he understands that things are going to shift when I have to go back to the office full-time commuting like everybody else. If we ever come to that, perhaps we won't, but you know, we have to prepare and he will take on more responsibilities as a result of that. I would like to point out, interestingly enough, that my husband works for a company now and his previous employer, who was an employer when our baby was born, um, who are complete opposite of Fast Company and Sweet Avengers. I mean, these people really, both companies were really unsympathetic. I mean, his previous employer basically bullied him into not taking the paternity leave that he was due. I think he basically took one day off, which was the day of the C-section, and that and that was it. It is very unfortunate. And even now, he is required to go to an office, even though his is a job that can very easily be done remotely. And it's really, it's really interesting to me, sort of the striking differences between our employers. But when we return to the office. My, my, my strategy is basically, you know, I'm going to need helping hands. We'll have to up the the baby's hours in daycare. My son is, you know, already in, in regular uh, school, may have to get babysitters, although I can tell you it's been very hard even um, in this not back to the office era to find a babysitter. But I, I do know that I have the support, like I said, of my husband, of my partner, and I'm confident that, you know, we will 
figure something out. So what's really interesting for my husband sort of in dealing with all this is he's from Canada. And, you know, in Canada, they have a very generous paternity and maternity leave strategy. I don't know. I think they get off until the kid graduates from high school or something. I don't know. It's very generous over there in Canada. So he sort of has trouble, you know, as he does with numerous things in this country, but he sort of has a very hard time understanding why they're not the opportunities to work with rather than against parents in the context of employment. There are so many parents, just like Nirvani, who have had this extra bonding time due to the pandemic, and now they feel guilty or FOMO for having to go back to the office. I think Nirvani said she only really gets like one hour a day now with her kid. That's, I don't know what that does for the development. And it's going to be interesting when these COVID babies, I think that's what they are coining the phrase, COVID babies, how they grow up and develop due to, you know, having such an awesome amount of time with your parents. And then all of a sudden they're kind of being taken away back to work. So we shall see. Yeah. But, you know, this episode is really about mothers and the sacrifices they're making. And the the thing that really hammered home for me was how much guilt Nirani feels. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. I feel like Zlati really hit the nail on the head when she talked about how important it is to have a partner who can kind of support you or be your teammate in these in these moments. Absolutely. So I feel like we had a lot to take in just then. Um, you know, Zlati really talked about the importance of paternity leave. I think that's definitely true and something that I cannot emphasize enough. If you are a man, you should take paternity leave if it's available to you and companies should make it available. But what were your you know, beyond that, what were your biggest takeaways from this, Christina? I feel like one takeaway was just as you said earlier, you really have to make sure that you have an understanding partner because, you know, it's the 21st century and we still have people who don't believe that women should have careers. They think women should stay home with their kids. And Zlati said that she really has an understanding partner who is okay with her being a career woman and raising their child. And so, I hope in the future I have a partner who is just as understanding. That's definitely that's definitely what I took away from this. Like it is teamwork. You can't do this alone. I mean, there are women who are doing it alone and that in itself is mind-blowing to me, but I do hope that I have a partner who has my back. Well, you know, more than a partner who has your back, something that I really took away from both of these is the amount of planning and deliberate choices they made when it came to their career. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about the kind of workplace they wanted to be in when they had a kid. Thinking about, you know, the kind of flexibility the workplace can offer in terms of things like childcare. I hate it because now I feel like I haven't planned anything and (laughs) it's bad, but... The biggest takeaway I got from both of them is like, you need to be really, uh, I'm going to sound so annoying here. You need to be really intentional. Mm -hmm. You just need to make sure that you're really thinking through everything from your partner, through your, you know, support system in terms of your family and friends, through work and work flexibility, through like childcare options. Yeah. I mean, some people plan for years to have a kid and some people it's a pleasant surprise. So hopefully we do have that time to plan accordingly. What's that saying? You make plans and God laughs. Yeah. (laughs) So that may be, that's also true. Thank you for listening to Hit the Ground Running. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and recommend the show to a colleague or a friend. Also, if you have a few minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
We're a new show and your review helps others find us. Or you can send us an email at podcast at fastcompany.com to let us know your thoughts and tell us if you have a question or an issue you'd like us to tackle on the show. Hit the Ground Running is produced by Franz Bowen with help from Blake Odom and with editorial oversight from Kate Davis.